Hello everyone, welcome to episode 116 of the Elite Girlfriend Podcast with me, your host and certified life coach, Katrin Band. How is your summer going? I'm not gonna lie, after our trip to Spain a few weeks ago, I've been ready for fall. To get back to work, back to routines, cooler weather, but vacation season has barely even started here. So I'm just going to pretend that it's fall while my boyfriend started his vacation today. Today's episode is about examining your positive traits to make sure they are not unhealthy behaviors in disguise. It is not uncommon that we look at our own habits or behaviors as girlfriends and incorrectly label them with something that sounds positive, when in reality, they are being fueled by negative, disempowering emotions that just make our grumpiness worse. The thing that inspired this episode was actually another podcast my mom was listening to during our vacation last week. I just heard a few minutes towards the end, but I immediately realized that the host was validating a lot of unhealthy traits in the person she was talking to and didn't question them whatsoever. The client or the person getting coached in the episode was not currently in a relationship, but I could just see a few years down the road how all of these quote-unquote positive traits of hers would turn her into a grumpy, disempowered, unfulfilled girlfriend who eventually would end up needing my help. So that's why we are here today. I want to help you take a sober look at your behaviors so that you aren't unknowingly holding on to and validating things that are getting in your way. Okay, okay, I know, I know, you already have a thousand things about yourself that you hate. You have identified loads of toxic habits, behaviors, and traits that are ruining your relationship experience. Do we really need to add to the list and take away the few things you actually like about yourself? Well, no, that's not what we're doing here. We are simply uncovering things that are subconsciously adding suffering to your life that your conscious brain currently thinks are good behaviors. We are not actually removing any of your many good traits. We are simply redefining them. And this process works the other way around, too. You can have some good habits that your brain has incorrectly labeled as toxic or unhealthy. And in that case, we want to redefine those too. But for today, let's focus on the unhealthy behaviors that are often met with an, oh, that's so nice, you're so strong and kind. When in reality, they're often a major source of grumpiness, conflict, and suffering. So... Trait number one, I'm really good at communicating my needs. At first glance, this sounds awesome. So replying with an, oh, good for you, 
is not at all strange or out of place. But we can't just blindly trust your brain's definition of what being good at communicating your needs means. It can mean a billion different things. There is no factual black and white meaning assigned to that sentence itself. So when a client tells me that they're really good at communicating their needs, I always get suspicious and ask follow-up questions. And the same goes if they come to me and say they have communication issues. I do the same thing. So when you say, I'm really good at communicating my needs, do you mean that you're really good at taking responsibility for your thoughts and emotions and have a relaxed and open way of sharing your desires and requests with your partner without throwing a temper tantrum if they don't agree? Do you mean that you are good at sharing your likes and dislikes with your partner while staying completely open to them disagreeing or not complying with your requests? Do you mean that you are equally interested in your partner's perspectives and desires as you are sharing your own? Do you mean that you fully understand that your partner can't and is not responsible for making you feel anything in your relationship and that sometimes your needs come from an unhealthy place and it's actually your own job to work on those things while asking for and getting support from the person you love? Or... Do you maybe mean that you know exactly what your triggers are and you have very clearly informed your partner what they should and shouldn't do to avoid you getting triggered? Do you mean that you are very in tuned with your negative emotions that pop up in various situations and you have identified your partner as the solution and perhaps even the cause of these negative emotions? Do you mean that you are very good at explaining to your partner why they are responsible for adjusting who they are and what they do so that you get your needs met? Meaning you avoid getting triggered and get out of having to do the hard work of dealing with your emotions yourself. Do you maybe mean that you emotionally punish your partner for not meeting your needs until they cave and comply? And you get to feel just a little bit better in that moment until the next time something happens. Being really good at communicating your needs can mean all of the above. Which is why I never trust a person who just labels themselves as good at communicating. More often than not, being quote-unquote good at communicating just means that you have no problem telling your partner what you're thinking and feeling and what you, quote-unquote, need from them in order for you to feel better. And this is not the definition of being good at communicating and taking responsibility for yourself, at least not in my book. Communication is a tool that can be used for good and bad. It can be fueled by positive and negative emotions. And it can create positive and negative results in your life. 
just talking and saying words at your partner or even getting your partner to agree with you is not good communication. No matter how many nice words you use or how silky smooth your voice is. Trait number two. I am so selfless. I will always go out of my way for my partner. I think a lot of us have grown up with the narrative that doing anything for the person you love is the biggest sign of love. That you always say yes and go out of your way to please and make the other person happy or make their life easier. And honestly, my guess would be that this is something that women hear more than men. However, in the past couple of years, boundaries, self-care, and saying no has become more and more common, more and more popular, which is definitely a good thing. So when a client describes themselves as completely selfless, and that they will do anything for the people they love, that might sound like a lovely trait at first. But there are a few things we want to keep an eye on if this is a habit that you relate to. First and foremost, we want to ask why. This might sound like a redundant question, but it's really important to understand why you are always willing to go out of your way for your partner. Is it because you think it's a way of keeping your partner around? Like a way of kind of manipulating them into staying, staying in love with you, not ending the relationship. It could also be a different flavor of manipulation that we'll touch on more later, but you could be using your quote-unquote giving as a way of avoiding rejection. If you say no or don't do what your partner wants, they might reject you and maybe leave you. So you obsessively do everything for them to avoid that. Or perhaps it's your way of getting back what you desire from your partner. A lot of people give and give and give in hopes that their partner is going to give back in the same way. And this really sets you up for failure because one, your partner might not want to give back in the same way. And two, your partner might already be giving back in loads of ways that you are missing because you are so focused on getting exactly what you give. Going out of your way to make your partner happy and make their life easier is not an unhealthy thing to do in and of itself. It might just be how you are wired to show your love and appreciation for someone and that's perfectly fine. But the problem is when your giving is at the expense of yourself. Meaning, you give more than you are capable of, or more than you want to. So you start compromising with your own priorities, values, your own health, your own dreams, and so on, just to please the other person. If this goes on for too long, you risk becoming bitter, resentful, or even burnt out from not taking better care of yourself. Being generous and selfless is lovely, as long as you take care of yourself and your own needs first. 
You can't give and give and give if your tank is running on empty. And always make sure that your giving and selflessness is fueled by positive emotions and desire that serve you and not fear, anxiety, or control. Trait number three. I have really clear and firm boundaries and I take no shit. If a client comes to me and says that they have very clear and firm boundaries, that definitely piques my interest. What does it mean? Do they actually have healthy boundaries? Or are they really good at communicating their manual for their partner and punishing them if they don't comply? A lot of people have the idea that boundaries are rules within the relationship. You're allowed to do X, but not Y. You can't do this because it hurts my feelings. In order for me to trust you, you have to do XYZ. This thing triggers me, therefore it's a boundary and you should respect my boundary and not do it. If you want a deep dive on boundaries, definitely go check out episode 104 after listening to this one. But here's the short version. Your boundaries are your rules and guidelines for yourself to follow in order to stay physically, emotionally, and mentally safe. If a person around me is doing X, then I will do Y to protect myself. It might be ending the conversation, leaving the room, getting out of the car, ending the relationship. It is always your job to respect your own boundaries. And if you are not willing to reinforce the consequence of your boundary, well, then it's not a boundary. So be very mindful of the boundaries and consequences you set with yourself. Because each time your boundary is crossed and you do not reinforce the consequence, your relationship with yourself takes a huge hit. And not everything that triggers you needs a boundary. Honestly, I'd say work on your triggers way separately from your boundaries because you want to be able to set your boundaries from a clean, sober place, not from a place of fight or flight. For example, you might be able to soberly say that if my partner cheats on me, that is a violation of me and our relationship and I will end the relationship right away. This has nothing to do with triggers. It's not that you were triggered by their cheating and that it, quote-unquote, makes you feel bad. That is the reason for your boundary. It's simply a decision you have made about what you tolerate and what you don't in this mutual relationship you are in. If I asked you, if you could be okay with cheating, would you want to be okay with it? Most likely, you'd say no, right? Most people don't want to be okay with cheating. If you want to be okay with it, I'd recommend looking into open relationships instead, where those kinds of actions aren't necessarily cheating. But anyway, when you use your emotions and your triggers to define your boundaries, a lot of things slip into the boundary category 
that don't belong there. You have to make the bed. It's a boundary that I have. You have to text back within five minutes. It's a boundary. You cannot follow girls on social media. That is a boundary. You have to take out the trash immediately when I ask. That's a boundary. No, these things are not boundaries. Because these things don't violate you. They have nothing to do with you. You are in no way violated by your partner not texting back right away. Now, you might be triggered by it, you might hate it, you might want them to stop it, but those are your emotions to deal with. It's not your place to set rules for your partner to follow in order for you to avoid getting triggered and then justifying it by slapping the boundary label on them. Another tell that your boundaries are a bit messy is how dramatic they are in your mind. And I don't necessarily mean how intense the negative emotions are surrounding them. More so, how much drama is involved when the boundary is crossed and it's time for you to reinforce the consequence. So often, I see people have their boundaries crossed and completely lose their shit. They start arguing about it. Then they try to get the person to stop doing the thing. They fight. They storm off. They emotionally punish. They might even break up and then get back together again. Having clear boundaries and being prepared and willing to reinforce the consequences does not have to be a dramatic thing. If your partner is smoking next to you, you can leave without making a scene. And without hating your partner for it. If your partner is road raging, you can calmly ask to please get out of the car. If your partner raises their voice during an argument, you can peacefully share that you want to end the conversation and pick back up at a later time. These are all intellectual boundaries that aren't controlled by your emotions. You're not reacting instinctively in the heat of the moment. This is planned, conscious, and calm. You're, of course, always free to also feel sad, annoyed, disappointed, frustrated, upset. All the emotions are allowed, but the actual boundary part does not have to be chaotic in order to be successful or effective. Honestly, it shouldn't be. So, boundaries are good as long as you understand that these are guidelines for you, not for your partner. And, newsflash, in some cases, it's okay that your partner doesn't want to change their behavior, and it's okay for you to just reinforce the boundary without ending the relationship. Not all boundaries are deal breakers. Some are just things you do in the moment to keep yourself feeling good and safe. Trait number four. I am so empathetic. I just want everyone else to be happy. If I were to translate this into what a lot of my clients mean when they say this, it would sound more like this. 
I am so anxious. I need everyone else to be happy because I get so uncomfortable when other people are uncomfortable and I want to protect myself from that discomfort. Now, wanting everyone else to be happy sounds lovely, but life is not about being happy all the time. And the more unwilling you are to be uncomfortable, the more you're going to want to make sure people around you aren't uncomfortable. I had this exact problem. I got so uncomfortable when my partner was upset or even hungry. Like I would get mad and try to make sure my partner didn't get hungry because I knew that I hated being hungry so much. So I would like cause arguments about my partner not having lunch for work the day after because I was so worried that he would suffer and then I would suffer because he suffered. It's honestly pretty ridiculous. I mean, it's one thing to not like when people you love are struggling, sad, upset, depressed, and so on. None of us like that. But we have to accept that it's a part of their lives, just as negative emotions are a part of our lives. It's not an act of love to try to manipulate and control another person's human experience. It's not your place to take someone else's struggle away from them. You can love a person who is struggling, who is anxious, who is having a bad day without desperately wanting to change how they feel just so you get to feel better. This trait often gets a response and is viewed as something positive. But honestly, all I hear when someone says this is, I am so uncomfortable with your discomfort. Please stop. (laughs) It's not about the other person's feelings. No matter how much you're trying to make it about them in your mind. It's about how you feel when the other person feels the way they're feeling. When they are sad, you get sad, anxious, upset, scared, etc. And in order to get away from your own discomfort, you want to fix the cause of your discomfort, which you have identified as the other person's struggle. The good news is that the more comfortable you get with your own discomfort, the more calm and compassionate your relationship with your own negative emotions become, well, the better you're going to be at letting other people struggle, even the people you love the most. You can allow your partner to be upset and angry and sad if you understand that these feelings are not dangerous. They're a part of the human experience, and instead of wanting to fix them and take them away, you can be a supportive, loving partner who takes care of their own discomfort and doesn't try to eliminate it by fixing the other person. And it's not enough to intellectually know this. Like, your body will not believe you if it doesn't get to experience what it means to not be afraid of emotions. So you need to learn how to host negative emotions in your own body without being afraid of them, without desperately wanting to make them go away. And then and only then will you truly be able to let other people have their own negative emotions and not desperately need to make those go away as well. 
So stop wanting everyone else to be happy. Instead, want people to have an authentic human experience. Want them to experience the full 50-50 of life. Want them to be upset when they want to be upset. Want them to grieve when they want to grieve. Want them to struggle when they are leveling up and going after their goals. It's not all about being happy. Not for you and not for them. And that, that is love right there. Loving someone through their negative emotions and your own. Speaking of love, here is the final trait of the day. Sometimes I'm just too loving and that love ends up hurting me. I don't believe a single person who says they are quote-unquote too loving or someone who loves too hard. There is no such thing. If you are too loving, then you are labeling things like people-pleasing, anxiety, fear of rejection, codependency, control, as love. You can turn up the volume on love to a hundred and beyond, and it's never going to result in something bad. You can never love too much. Nothing bad ever comes out of love as long as you love yourself first. What people usually think about when they talk about too much love is when you love someone else at your own expense. Meaning, you put their needs, wants, desires in front of your own. Or you make decisions based on fear and call that love. The same thing is true for jealousy, for example. When people try to make a case for why a little jealousy in relationships is healthy. Seriously, there is nothing healthy or positive that ever comes out of jealousy. What people are referring to is love, appreciation, desire, gratitude, not the nasty, insecure, controlling behaviors that come from jealousy. So, labels matter. How we define our traits and behaviors matters. And if you ever give love, credit, or blame for a negative, painful experience in your life, I encourage you to dive deeper and question that. Was it truly love or was it fueled by something else a lot of the time we think love for another person is enough but if we don't have love for ourselves first and foremost we're going to make decisions at our own expense and then blame love for the suffering that it causes us to wrap up this episode i want to say that many of these things can be super positive and come from a healthy, loving place. Communication is great. Giving and being generous is amazing. Boundaries are necessary. Not enjoying other people's suffering? Newsflash, perfectly normal. (laughs) And loving hard is a beautiful thing. But when these things cause problems in your life, they don't serve you and create negative results in the long run, 
you know you're probably putting these labels on behaviors that are fueled by unhealthy thoughts and emotions. Behaviors that at first glance sound and look lovely, but are really unhealthy in disguise. If you are feeling overwhelmed by the amount of work that you have in front of you in order to become an elite girlfriend, that's normal. It can be challenging to know where to start, what's healthy and what is not, and if you're actually making progress or just spinning your wheels. Luckily, you do not have to walk this road alone. Join the Elite Girlfriend Coaching Program for a VIP high-touch coaching experience where you and I walk through all the areas of your mind that need tweaking in order for you to become the elite version of yourself that you know you are meant to be. Go to katrinband.com to read more and submit your coaching application today. I'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.